mission and working for families in medical crisis, survivors of domestic violence, the elderly and disabled, as well as families in financial crisis. That's quite a list, isn't it? Scarlet's ministry interfaces with CBF's Together for Hope initiative. Scarlett and her late husband, Brian, have three children and two grandchildren. She was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but has lived from Florida to Alaska. But after living here in Kentucky for 30 years, she calls this her home. And while here in Kentucky for those 30 years, she has been working in the nonprofit sector. She has served in leadership positions locally and nationally for various organizations. She is currently the director of Olive Branch Ministries and is preparing to finish her Master of Divinity with a concentration in pastoral care and counseling from Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. Please help me in welcoming Scarlett Jasper. Good morning. So good to be here with you this morning. When I'm with a, uh, a partner congregation, I like to take a few minutes to uh, just kind of update you a little bit on, on what we've been doing together. I was so excited to be able to come and share with you today how your support of the offering for global missions and for me personally through your, your financial gifts and project uh, partnership, how that uh, affects and what we're doing together. Um, through the ministry, I do provide Bible studies and workshops on nutrition and finances, support groups, and pastoral counseling to families and individuals. I provide transportation to individuals to the doctor, pharmacy, grocery store, to look for housing and employment and other necessary appointments. When you're working in rural communities, transportation is hard to come by. Uh, There's not a lot of public transportation, if any, and then it's not affordable. I put about 35,000 miles a year on my car. Um, Last year, we provided shelter almost every night at the mission office. We had several couples and some individuals stay there. We provided countless meals, emergency food, hygiene items, household products, and other things provided for those families in need. This last year, we provided over 1,300 Christmas boxes for children, families, and the elderly. We provided back-to-school supplies for over 250 children. And in partnership with another ministry in McCreary County in Pine Knot Hills and Hollers, we hosted a back-to-school event which had over 250 children come. And at that event, we provided blue jeans, athletic shoes, new socks and underwear, as well as school supplies. I've been working in this community well before coming to uh, CBF, and I was shocked as to how many children came through there that did not have socks or underwear. We had to provide those so they could try on their shoes and jeans. It was a blessing for me to get to uh, fit those feet this time. It's something I'd never done, and uh, I was a little concerned as I was trying to fit this one, one little fella for shoes, and the, the foot uh, measuring tool, whatever you call it, uh, and his shoes were three sizes different, and I kept thinking I was doing something wrong, but I wasn't. He was wearing shoes that were three sizes too small. Um, A grant was written by Olive Branch Ministries and awarded by CBF of Kentucky for a micro-lending program, and that is to help uh, combat the payday lending industry in the rural communities that I work in. Uh, The average interest rate in Kentucky is around 400%. 
So these loans will help to keep individuals from going to that payday lender or to get out of that cycle. Um, I was very excited to begin a partnership with First Baptist Corbin this last winter on their winter relief ministry. During, with that ministry, they provide uh, shelter for the homeless uh, from about mid-November to mid-March on the coldest nights when it's 29 or below. And then every night they provide a meal for them during those months. And in partnership with helping with those services, I also do case management with the individuals and families that come through. I come in early, and they will come back and meet with me, and I help work them, help work with them on barriers uh, to housing, whether it's applying for benefits, looking for housing, a job. So I do a lot of case management, as well as pastoral care for those families. You often have a lot of crisis situations when they come through, and so I provide counseling with them during that time. Um, these are just a few ways uh, through the ministry that uh, I help to do beloved community, seek transformational development, and bear witness to Jesus Christ. And none of this work would be possible without your support. Now, as a child, one of the things I looked forward to most was getting mail addressed to me. Yes, the real mail. Snail mail, not email or Facebook I enjoy those forms of communication, but they were not available to me as a child, so I'm telling my age here. Um, But I enjoyed getting that mail in my mailbox that sits at the end of my driveway. I had a great aunt that that lived in New Jersey that I'd never met, and she used to send me Nancy Drew books for Christmas or my birthday. I'm a big reader, and I still like the actual book in my hand. Uh, I loved to read, and she would send me these books periodically over the years just to let me know that she was thinking about me. One of my favorite things on special days, like my birthday, uh, was getting cards in the mail. I still love to hear from friends and family that I don't get to see very often, especially when they send, like, a family photo or one of those update letters on what's going on in their life. It's a wonderful way to let someone know that you're thinking about them. When my children were away at college, I would send cards or care packages. And when my daughter and son-in-law were in Micronesia, I sent them care packages two or three times a month with basic things that they needed. But I would always send a note in there and some little special things for them to let them know that I loved and missed them. Paul was doing what we're often doing with our Christmas cards, birthday cards, or letters in his letters to the Philippians. He was reaching out to the church in Philippi to let them know he was thinking about them. They were on his heart and on his mind. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We all face trials and tribulations at times. In his letters to the Philippians, it appears that Paul was addressing in particular two women that had been disciples with Paul. It seems that they were having a difficult time struggling in the work of the gospel. Now, we're not sure if they were struggling with compassion fatigue or other ministry challenges, 
but it appears that they may have stepped back from the challenges of discipleship. It happens, especially in ministry fields. It may have been a personal struggle that they were having, but we really don't know. There were also struggles in the church. We're not sure what those struggles were. Churches struggle at times. They go through times of transition and change. We're not sure what the struggles were in Philippi. Some scholars think it may have been some doctrinal issues, but once again, we really don't know what they were. But what we do know is that Paul was trying to encourage them. We all struggle at times with issues, and we can look to Paul's text here for encouragement today. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. This is so important that Paul repeats it. We are specifically to rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't say to rejoice in our circumstances, but that we should rejoice in all of the goodness that is found in God and in God's blessing. It's only in looking to God that we can fully rejoice Our days at work, school, or home may be difficult. They may be full of distress, despair, anxiety, or other difficult emotions. But we can look to God and rejoice. God is good, and God is kind, and God is loving and merciful. God offers forgiveness, and God's faithfulness never fails us. The kind of joy that comes from God is a spiritual joy. It's not the same type of joy that comes from earthly happiness. This joy can only be found through our relationship with Jesus Christ. This does not mean that we will not suffer. We will face sadness, anger, frustration, and many other emotions. But what it does mean is through all of these we will have the joy of knowing that God is with us as we go through these struggles. Paul goes on to say, Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. One of the most difficult yet fundamental aspects of following Jesus the Christ is the promise to be the hands and the feet of Christ in our everyday life. This is the commitment that we're most likely to fall short of daily. Here Paul encourages the Philippian believers to live in the spirit of gentleness. Gentleness doesn't always come across very well in our society. Gentleness is often mistaken for weakness. To live in gentleness is a stark contrast to the harsh, bitter, and often cruel standards that are unfortunately too often the norms of the character of our culture. The character of Jesus the Christ is the prime example of gentleness, and his gentleness was repeatedly met with hate and violence. Our society often sees hate and violence that is carried out in the name of religion. Here Paul tries to encourage the disciples to embrace the character of Christ, because only by living in Christ can we experience salvation. As you go about this week, live in the presence of Christ by being the hands and feet, the literal presence of Christ, and remember these words. 
Let your gentleness be known to everyone, not just those that we love and care for, but especially those we may struggle with, those that are hard for us to love. Paul goes on to assure us that the Lord is near. There's some scholars that interpret this as the Lord will be coming soon. I have a different perspective of these words in this particular context. The Lord is near. This is the center of the good news that Jesus has for us. God is not an entity that is far removed from us, God's creation. In Jesus the Christ, God has come to dwell with us. No matter what is going on at home, at work, school, in our community, or in the world, the Lord is near. We are not alone in our distress. Paul is imparting comfort and encouragement for us that we're not alone in our struggles that we face daily. Jesus is with us as we bear witness in our daily lives. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Our encouragement here is to pray. In this passage, there are four key words in this text. The first word is everything. Our prayers should include everything. Paul is saying here not to leave out anything when we pray. Take time to reflect on everything when we go to God in prayer. Second, when in prayer, don't worry. Let worries and fears drift away from us and let them go to God as we share these concerns with God. Now, this is difficult. I struggle with worry. So that's my confession with you this morning. I give them to God, and then I take them back. And then I give them to God again, and then I take them back. You know, so what Paul is saying here is to give them to God and don't take them back. Leave them there. Paul is urging his listeners to stop worrying. When we are confronted with sickness, poverty, hunger, and injustice, and the other trials and tribulations in life, we get anxious and worry. It's natural. Regardless of what's causing our distress, Paul urges us to be anxious in nothing. This expression allows for no exceptions. For Paul to express this at a time when he was in prison is especially moving to me. When we are anxious and worry, it shows that we're lacking in confidence that God will take care of us as God's children. God can handle our worries and concerns. Give them to God and leave them there. When we can do this, we are showing that we truly are dependent on God and trusting in God's care for us. Third, it says give thanks to God for the goodness of God, for God's presence, for God's attention to our struggles. So often we are quick to come to God with our prayer needs and concerns that we forget to thank God when things are going well. God wants us to bring our needs to God, but we need to take time to thank God for our blessings, seen and unseen. Sometimes I wonder about all the ways that God has shown me grace and mercy throughout the day that I am not aware of. 
I'm so thankful to have God in my life. Fourth, make your requests known to God. Scripture repeatedly reminds us of the Israelites and how they cried out to God, lifting up their concerns about their oppression and their trials that they faced every day, and they made them known to God, as in Exodus chapter 2. God heard their their cries, and God responded with God's love and mercy and salvation. God will respond to our prayers. God is not a genie. We don't rob that bottle and get our wishes granted. God answers prayers in God's time and in God's way. If we trust God and we pray for God's will, then God will answer our prayers in a way that has our best interest at heart. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is known for imparting encouragement and advice in his letters. What Paul is saying is when life is hard and we're struggling with following the example that Christ has set for us, we can easily feel vulnerable and alone. Paul is clear that if we pray and look to God, then we will have a peace in our hearts and in our minds that is mysterious and wonderful. God will guard our hearts and our minds through our Savior, Jesus the Christ. I want to share with you some times that I had this peace. My husband was very ill. He was in the hospital with congestive heart failure. I was away on a trip for Together for Hope and could not get home. Together for Hope, of course, is our rural poverty initiative. So when we're at a rural site, we're usually far away from transportation. I was in another state, hours away from an airport, and I didn't have my own car. I'd had foot surgery on my right foot, and I couldn't drive if I'd had one. It's times like these that all we can do is pray. Pray and rejoice. Pray to the Lord for strength and encouragement and rejoice in knowing that God hears our prayers and gives us peace. I was able to make it to the hospital late the next day, and after about a week, my husband was well enough to go home. Now, my husband recently passed away, and all I can do now is pray and rejoice. I can pray for my children, grandchildren, and others that are grieving his loss, and I can rejoice in the love that I know that God has for all of God's children. And I know no matter what comes next, I'm not alone. If I did not have God in my life, I could not have had that peace during those days at the hospital and the days following when he recovered. And I could not have that peace now during this time of grief and mourning. This is the kind of peace that Paul is writing about, the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding. Until you are faced with a time When you desperately need that peace, you may not understand this kind of peace. If you're struggling today, reach out and let Jesus give you this peace. Let us pray. God, we come to you and we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word. God, thank you for each one that is here and please bless them and this fellowship. Help us all to glorify you in our actions and words. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.